Hey folks, this is Steve Vai, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks, so turn it up. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Townsend, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. All right, Pittsburgh! You are the best! You got the best! Hello and welcome to episode 294 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This episode, we've got an interview with the one and only Devin Townsend. Devin's got a new project called Casualties of Cool, featuring vocalist Shay Amy Dorval. Now, this project actually came out last year as part of a Pledge Music campaign, but on January 15th of this year, it's getting a worldwide release. The new release will feature two CDs as well as a live DVD. Before we get to that interview, though, here's a track from the album. This is called Mountaintop. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with me on the phone, I have Devin Townsend. How are you doing today, Devin? I'm quite good, man. Thanks for the interview. Oh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, got uh, want to talk a little bit about uh, Casualties of Cool, which you've got uh, coming out uh, next month, actually being kind of the worldwide release. Um, so can you start? This is really kind of like an interesting project. I guess the original album had like a limited release back last year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It was just done as a, a crowdfunding sort of pledge drive project. And the people who uh, were involved with that got a chance to hear it as well as some people online, iTunes, etc. But I'm really happy now that uh, maybe more of the general public will get to hear it as I'm really proud of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great album. I was, uh, I was listening to it. Um, 
Can you talk a little bit about how this project came to be? Because this is a lot different than, you know, the Devin Townsend project and some of your other stuff. Um, with this, you're working with uh, Shay Amy Dorvell. Um, so can you talk about how you guys came together and how this project uh, got started? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I've known known of Shay personally since the Key album. But uh, her family and, and my family have known each other for, for many years. So it was uh, it was an easy collaboration and continues to be but i think there it is very different this record than my typical sort of mm-hmm. devon townsend project stuff but at the same time there's an aspect of what i do that uh has always included these sort of left of center type projects right. whether or not it's ghost or or the hummer or key or anything and i think to be perfectly honest my ability to continue to do those things professionally really allows me to keep focused on the DTP stuff. I think if I didn't have these sorts of outlets, I would just mm-hmm. get sick of it, right? So right. it's uh, one thing definitely um, uh, plays off of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, would you, like, looking back at all your work and whatnot, you know, this this what kind of what I like about this album, it's kind of, it's got like a country feel to it, but it's very atmospheric at the same time, so it's kind of like very atmospheric country ish type yeah. of album it's really dark too i think the idea that i was trying to achieve was something that even a average heavy metal fan mm-hmm. late at night you listen to it quietly and it's a really sort of even the, the sort of americana aspects of it add to that sort of creepiness of it and right. i mean it's um it is uh you know i've been sober for many years but it's a pretty stony record mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and i think uh uh, I think that when I have tended to call it like a country record in interviews, a, a lot of people sort of make assumptions on what it is when really um, I would urge anybody who's listening to this and hasn't participated in it just to go on to Spotify or, or Apple Music or something and check it out. And then after that, if you're interested, the re-release of the DVD and bonus discs and all this sort of stuff. But it's not what I think people perceive it as. And it's something that was really important for me to make. I really wanted to make mm-hmm. this kind of late night, like dark, sort of chill out, weird record, right? You know, and that's that's a great great way of putting it because I know a couple of times when I was listening to it, it was you know I was home at night, lights were off, and I was kind of it was it was actually kind of a relaxing type of chilling album, and uh, it, it, that added to the atmosphere, I think. Um, yeah, that's it. Tr- trying to create a vibe, right? And and. And it's not like a sugary thing. It's not like, you know, a Disneyland type of record. It's, right. It's, there's a lot of shadows on it, right? Right, right. And, and actually, you know, I mean, I don't think, I mean, when you say, like, country album, you know, it's not like, you know, your Billy Ray Cyrus or whatever. It's more of, like, your <laughs> Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, yeah, kind of, like, I'm more at. bluesy type yeah. of country. Yeah. But I also really like what, you know, a Massive Attack does or what Radiohead does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the sort of aspects of, of that sort of, really dark electronica stuff in with this sort of old school organic sort of Johnny Cash era type music, right? And, right. And a singer on it with Che, who has a really um, a calming but really detached sort of vocal. It doesn't sound, I don't know, I like it. It, it sounds haunted in a way. Yeah. And really, that's what I was hoping to achieve. It's a, it's a very good way of putting it, haunted. Um, now, what when you were writing this, you know, obviously you said this is a lot different. This is kind of like was this 
would you say this is more of a personal album than some of your other stuff? Or I mean, obviously, everything you do is going to have is going to be very personal. But you said this came from like a different place. Um, what was your ultimate goal with this album? Well, the ultimate goal is the same as it is with any record, and that is to achieve what the what the internal vision seems to um, dictate it wants to be. But it's personal in ways that are uh, different than the other records because there was no pressure on it. There was no right. expectation. No label was involved. No other musicians other than Shay with any input. There's no... No one knew it was coming out, and therefore it was left to its own devices. And there'd be months that would go by where I wouldn't work on it. I'd mm -hmm. just be like, "Nah, not into it right now." And then when I did get back to it, it's because I really was inspired to do so. And the result of that was a record that was um, strangely more like who I am right now than than almost anything I've done recently, because I had no expectation of it ever really coming out. Right. But in terms of the lyrics, it's personal, but also completely impersonal because Che wrote all her own parts. So mm -hmm. whatever she wrote about was her own experiences that were very separate from mine. And that kind of intersection between the two styles is another part of it that I really enjoy because it's an intimate sound without being an intimate sentiment. And, and that's something that, again, I found very comforting. Right, right, right. Now this is a this is a concept album. Um, you know, only in the sense of I like having a theme and a concept okay. for me to illustrate. You know, but right. it's not something that it's like Operation Minecraft right, or Tommy right. or something, right? Right. Um, now you guys just recently released a video um, for one of the songs um, for uh, Mountaintop. Um, yeah. Which is a very cool video. It's it's animated, and I like you know the uh, it, video in itself tells a, tells a story, and um, you know was, I, I really enjoyed the video. Can you talk about what went into making this video and, and how your input and, and the director and whatnot and how the video story came together? Yeah, um, the story of the video is uh, a very condensed version of the story of the record. Um, but again, it should all I'm looking for people to participate with uh, the video on the level of just enjoying it. It doesn't necessarily need to be um, rammed down people's throats, right? Right. right. Uh, the lady who made her name is Jessica Cope, and I had originally seen her work through um, some videos she had done for Stephen Wilson and for Storm Corrosion, and I um, I just thought it was really good. There was a there was a real again real darkness to it and a real uh, um, abstract beauty to it that that I thought would would really uh, would really uh, complement this type of sound, and so we approached her, and and her and I worked closely on it, but I let her uh, do what she felt with it at the same time, and mm -hmm. I like working like that with people. I I, I dislike being the sort of tyrannical right. collaborator. I like finding people that are brilliant and saying, this is what my parameters are. Let me know when it's done. You know? Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, now one thing I wanted to ask about too, was you, you mentioned like this album originally was kind of like a pledge music campaign type of thing. Um, what was your experience like with pledge music? Cause you see a lot more of that type of stuff happening in, in, in fans being able to be more involved with stuff like this. 
Um, is this something that you see as something that, you know, could really kind of help musicians and artists and especially like up and coming artists? Well, it's a dual edged sword. Um, right. The place drive I did, did well, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that I've been doing this for 25 years. I sure. mean, it's not like I'm a, a new artist. In fact, when I see people doing pledge drives for their first album, I wonder how they're hoping that will happen other than <laughs> family and friends, right? Yeah. I, uh, so in that sense, I was ex- exceptionally lucky and it was very humbling and just, it was an incredible thing. However, the flip side of that is the amount of sheer work that went into um, actualizing the commitments for people was such that when I mix that with the writing of the Ziltoid record and some personal things that were happening at the time, it was just, it was, it was too much. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was certain things that took a year for the, for the product to be produced. And right. there were people that ended up being pissed off about that. And then I was going out of my way to try and keep people happy and, and the end result of it is that I realized that a lot of my process through this pledge drive, I realized that a lot of my process has been almost being willingly ignorant to the fact that other people participate in what I do. Mm-hmm. That way I can remain um, really intimate with my process and be vulnerable in ways that, that I think uh, contribute to the experience. But with this, all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit, there's tons of people involved with it. Right. And I've, I've never really viewed it that way. And then when I did the Universal Choir, which ended up having several thousand people contribute vocals to on the mm-hmm. V2 record, it was just a really, it was such a mixture of emotions, right? Like the whole process. Bottom line is I got to finish Casualties. I got to do that great video. I got to do all this cool stuff with the Ziltoy Project. And I would never have been able to do any of that. Right. Had it not been the generosity of people, however, it was um, it was humbling how much work it was and how um, you know how I just I hate letting people down and when right. the production things ended up bumming some people out, I found myself really bummed about that too. You know, so mm-hmm. we ended up getting it all done, and it was a great thing ultimately. But man, it was intense. <laughs> it was really intense. Would I do it in the future? I mean that. That remains to be seen. Right. Do I think it's a viable source of income for other people? In some senses, yes, but I don't think a lot of people recognize the amount of work that actually is involved. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I guess, too, it's something that's going to also depend on the project. You know, some projects sure. may warrant it more more than others. Now, this sure. this re-release comes out uh, first, you know, just after the first of the year, January 16th, also includes um, a live DVD. Um, of, of was that uh, when you, you recorded the DVD and stuff that was over in, in England, I believe. Um, do you have any more uh, thoughts on taking this project out on the road? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to, but at the same time, um, it all depends on whether or not people, if that's what people want from right. me, right? Like, right. I mean, I've created sort of a brand over the years and an identity and, 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 I mean, it's one thing to assume that, okay, well, now I'm just going to change directions and everybody has to live with that. But it, mm-hmm. it's not really that in, 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 uh, in practice. And a lot of um, my thinking on this whole thing is that I recognize how much people have supported what I do and what I have done is I've had a real distinct kind of vibe. And I'm not going to stop doing that. Right. However, I love the Casualties Project. And the DVD 
we recorded. That's the second show we've ever done with the band, and that was actually oh, the wow. first show with the drummer. Like it's just, and so there's a lot of fuck ups on that DVD. Right. But it gives an example of what it could be. You know, it gives right, an example right. of, of the mood that I'm hoping to create with it. And you know, I don't talk, and she doesn't talk, and it's a great thing. And so my fingers are crossed that people want it enough that we can get out there and right. play more. But then again, you know, it's like I got to be realistic about it, and, and it's not like you're gonna you're gonna sell the farm in order to invest it all in you right. know something like this, right? It's like you got to be you got to be careful. But I'm totally into it, man. I just hope that people like it enough to warrant it. Right, right. And I think you know you mentioned the DVD. You know, it was the second show, a lot of fuck ups and whatnot. But that's I think that might help with the rawness and everything and, and, you know, help make that experience a little more known to the audience at home. And, well, that's and, good. And that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there. No, go ahead. Well, there's no, there's no backing tracks. There's no right. click tracks. There's no visuals. It's, it's a really organic thing, even though there's, you know, like synths and, and looping mm-hmm. and stuff on stage. It's, it's much different than what I do with the other stuff. Right, right. So, yeah, like you say, the fact that there's mistakes throughout the show allows people to know that, hey, it's a work in progress, but it's a work that, in my opinion, has a ton of potential. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's, it's, you never know how these things are going to go. You know, I'd love to, to think that people like it enough that we're invited to play shows. But it may not happen, right? But I'm right. open for it if it is, for sure. I love it. Now, is this a project that you'd want to do more albums with, or is it just kind of one oh, of those yeah. things where it's going to be, you know, but it's not something that you would have to rush to then, right? It would be more of a... No, no, no. No, I won't rush it. I think that's the thing, is I absolutely want to continue it. But for a frame of reference, since the, Z- the Ziltoy record mm-hmm. that came out after the Casualties record, I've written 60-some-odd songs for, for DCP wow. in that time, right? Wow. Like, I've written a ton of material. And by comparison, with casualties, even with constant contact between Shay and I, we've come up with maybe one or two. That right. What we really want to do. So it's 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 got its own gestation period, and I I can't rush it, or else it'll be contrary to what it is about the project that is so important to me. Right, right. Now, how did this project help you with writing other material, and, and did that kind of maybe kind of refresh you at all, or was it it how did help how did you help it it grow some of the the you know the Devin Townsend project stuff? Now it has because I think I recognize more how my collaborative mind works, mm-hmm. like like how I can relegate other people's contributions into my vision, as opposed to worrying that you know, simply by having other people's opinions is going to change my my vibe, right? It's just you have to learn how to relegate it. And I certainly learned through working on that project my parameters, and that has helped in that way. However, it didn't energize me directly after because I finished the Casualty a Cool record really casually right. after four years of work, working on it, perfecting it, and turning every knob and dotting every I, and then handing it in, and then remastering it. I, I, I got it exactly how I wanted it. And then I started V2 two weeks after it, mm-hmm. and it was a shit show because right. between writing a double record and fulfilling all the pledge drive and happy birthday songs and hand-drawn pictures and handwritten lyrics and thousands of booklets being done and fuck-ups with production and and then, you know, there's like personal things and like death and like all this stuff right. going on. I was so like over it about 
four months after the casualties record was done that I was just like, God, you know, I was the opposite of energized. And right. so Z two, that project, which ultimately was a really good record, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a good record easily. It was a total fight, and that's what the theme of it ended up being. So now that the smoke's cleared a little bit, and I've had a bit of time to reflect on it all, and now that I'm writing again for DTP in a much more organized fashion, um, I think the effects of the casualties uh, energizing will be uh, uh, felt now, rather than directly after this match. That whole Z2 record can eat a bit in terms of that process. It just was a nightmare. Right, right, right. Um, now, with Casualties of Cool, one thing I wanted to ask, too, about, you know, you mentioned it took you four years to make. At what point, like in a project that's kind of scaled down like this and a lot more personal when it's just you and Shay, at what point do you realize that a project like this is complete? Well, I asked for deadlines. Okay. You know? I like, I mean, I, I really uh, try and get the people in my professional world. I'm like, tell me when I have to deliver this, because if I don't have that date, I'm just going to waffle on it. It's not going to get done, you know? So, so they say, okay, good. You have a month and four days. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, then I can just sort of, it it stops me because there may be, for example, a song where there's a verse that I don't like and there's a couple of options for it. But without a deadline, it's not clear to me. But with a deadline, I'm like, okay, this one's obviously the best one. You know what I mean? It's like, so when I know that it's getting close to the end, I I try and impose a deadline on things and that really helps. Um, Again, I mean, I I love the album and I think it's a great album and I hope that it does well and I hope people give it a chance. Um, Um. what do you guys, what do you have next up on the plate? Um, For me personally? Yeah. Oh, there's a ton, man. <laughs> uh, you know, we're doing a GTP record in, right. in March. That's a really, really strong record. And then I'm doing doing a symphony and I'm doing this other weird electronic pop thing with a bunch of people and I'm playing bass and a bunch of things. And, you know, I got to get the garage clean. And, you know, <laughs> All kinds of stuff. <laughs> there's tons of things, right? It's, but one at a time, right? So right. next up is, is the next DTP record, and it's uh, it's uh, one that that allows me to do all these sort of peripheral things at this mm-hmm. point. You know, the DTP has gone to the point where we can, you know, we sold out that Royal Albert Hall show in, in right. a day, right? It was like perhaps in other countries it's not as strong yet, but if it can happen in the UK, then then the hope is that by continuing to push that. It can happen elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So next up is another version of, of, of that um, trip for me. And yeah. uh, the next one, I think, is is really, really good. So cool. one at a time, and that's the next one. Cool. We'll be looking forward to that. Now, you've had you know, a 24-year-long career. You know, you play with some fabulous musicians. Um, you know, I got to I gotta ask you about Steve Vai because, you know, I'm a big fan sure. of Steve Vai. Yeah. What was... You know, you sang on the Sex and Religion album you toured. What was that experience like for you? Oh, it's every emotion you can possibly imagine, you know, sort of uh, gummed up into one odd 19-year-old kid's Mm -hmm. uh, experience. Uh, I had a hard time with it at the time, but it it started everything for me. And and to be perfectly honest, I'm recording a new song with, with Steve right now. Oh, wow. And I finish it tomorrow. Oh, nice. 
so, you know, I think he's doing a re-release of Passion of Warfare, and he asked me to contribute some vocals to a to an unreleased song. And you know, Steve is uh, he's a really important part of my life, and always will be. Right. And that experience was difficult for me, but also was difficult for him. I mean, mm-hmm. when I first started working with him, I like to think of him as being like this sort of he was always this he was always Steve Vai's always this age. But dude, when I started working with him, he was only thirty two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm 43 now. Right. It's like, when I was 32, I was like, fucked. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Let alone um, now. I'm still fucked, but at least now I'm aware of it. Right. <laughs> like, like, and so anything that Steve is going through, compound that with the fact that he had millions of dollars and was a rock star. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, it's not, it's not an easy thing. And so now, when that whole era of rock stardom is like long gone, mm-hmm. he's a brilliant guitar player doing his music now, and and we're good friends, right? Right, right. Now, through your career, I mean, obviously you got a lot from playing with Steve and with everyone else, and your catalog is so diverse, and you've got so many different styles and whatnot. What ultimately is 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 music to you? Music is a privilege. Right. It's it's something that you make to illustrate time. And until such time that I can no longer do it, I'm going to do everything I can to get these creative ideas out because I, more than anything else, really enjoy it. Right. right. Well, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to us again. Uh, Casualty is a cool, it's a great album. Yeah, it comes out January sixteenth. Uh, it's you know you can already get it on Spotify or whatnot, but you know get the live DVD and and, and get the disc. Um, and uh, again, thank you for coming on, and we wish you uh, good luck, and uh, hope to see you a lot in uh, the next year. I really appreciate the support, man. You guys have a great night, and take care of yourself. Please. Thanks, you too. Okay, I'd like to thank Devin for taking the time to talk to us. Again, the album's called Casualties of Cool. It comes out January 15th. That about wraps up this episode. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. If you've got any questions or comments, please feel free to drop us a line at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And check out our Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Till next time, thanks for listening.